Hello, and welcome to The Stinger, a superfan's guide to the latest in Marvel, Star Wars, and other nerd entertainment. Joining me on today's episode, he has been chilling, posted up relaxing at Bruce Banner's hideaway bar in Mexico, just chilling on the beach, soaking in the sun. It's Mr. Trent Neely. How are we doing? What's up? What's up, everybody? Got your Cheetos? Got your chopsticks? You know? Oh, let's, uh, yes. let's dive right in here. That's what I should have led with. I totally forgot about literally maybe the greatest human invention ever ever uh, witnessed on screen. So that, that was pretty epic. Uh, we are here today, uh, if, you, if, if you couldn't tell by now, to talk about the new and latest Disney Plus show, She-Hulk, Attorney at Law. Uh, the first episode debuted last Thursday, and, and Trent and I are here to, to recap and break everything down, as we always do. Uh, so thanks, everybody, for joining us today. And don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Leave a rate and review. Follow us on social media at The Stinger Pod. Uh, yeah, we most recently, Trent gave a long an intricate breakdown of all the Comic-Con news. And, you know, we haven't actually gone and done like an episode by episode review of anything Marvel uh, on the TV side of things since Moon Knight, because yeah. we didn't get to give as much attention to Miss Marvel. Uh, so before we dive in, how were you? What was your excitement level for She-Hulk before uh, before it aired last week? Yeah, uh, I, I was always, I think I was curious is, is the, the main word I would throw out for She-Hulk, where I was like, I'm not really, I wasn't familiar with the comic book at all, except for like some memes and stuff that had like, fl- you know, filtered through the Twitterverse. Um, but, yeah. I, but I liked the idea of they were doing a shorter show, you know, it's like they were doing nine episodes, but each episode was only going to be like 30 minutes and it was going to be like heavily sitcom vibed. And I'm like, yeah, like, mm-hmm. let's let one of these these Disney shows, you know, everybody says like MCU is very quippy and fun, but if we're being honest, these TV shows especially have been pretty serious. Um, yeah. yeah so they so have. I, I was actually kind of excited <clears throat> that uh, we were going to get like a more of lighthearted sitcom-y feel to it. Um, and and uh, yeah, um, you know, we were, I, I was excited once um, we found out like Mark Ruffalo was coming back. Um, Wong was going to come back. And then yes. with the, the last trailer, Daredevil is going to show up at some point. And so, um and yeah i I really like the idea of uh the the concept being you know superhero law and sort of the more logistical impacts of what superheroes in the world would mean i think that's a really cool way to sort of build out the uh, mcu ground level a bit which we haven't seen done as much as maybe would be beneficial in some of the stories so yeah i thought it would be really fun and interesting and i was curious to see how it went yeah i that last point you made, I definitely agree with the the idea of a um a lawyer for superheroes is just a really fun idea yeah. to explore, especially now that the MCU is as big as it is. I mean, uh, there's plenty. I I, I can imagine there's going to be a lot. I've heard there's going to be a lot of cameos in this show. I can imagine they have several to choose from, and not like major characters, but like minor characters that have gotten sprinkled in here and there who we kind of forgot about probably uh because of how big the mcu is now right i don't i wasn't i honestly was not excited for this show i'll be i'll be completely honest every trailer i had seen that kind of just looked i mean 
there's the there's the CGI aspect, which I think a lot of us looking at this trailer, I think most people would say She-Hulk's CGI looked pretty rough in the trailers. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you might you might you might disagree. I don't know. No, it, it's the tough thing now where. <laughs> Like there, this is gonna get like technical for a minute. I apologize. Yeah. yeah. Um, but there's this it. thing in like film, especially with like animation, like the uncanny valley, where it's like, um, it, things that look close to human like but aren't quite always mess with humans' brains. And I think the reason people are like, why is Hulk CGI better than She Hulk's? And I'm like, well, She Hulk still has relatively human features and proportions, and so I think like. I think the CGI can be a little wonky, but I think it is also just that it's like our brain knows that like the Hulk for Bruce Banner doesn't look humanoid. And so we're more willing to be like, that can look a little strange. Whereas with her, it feels close enough to be human that it feels off to our brain. And then there's the whole discussion happening right now that I don't even know the full extent of, of like the treatment of the MCU CGI artists and how much time they're given for things. So I've become reluctant to like full on dunk on the CGI these days because from what I'm understanding is they're they're not given a mm. ton of time in every circumstance to clean things up. Yeah, that's an important distinction to make because um I I mean I, I just don't think the CGI is on par with other things in the MCU based off of what we've seen so far, but that I, I can see the I can see how people will put that on the on the VFX artists. But I think at this point, there's enough info out there to see that, you know, that's not that, me saying that is I, I. I would hope most people don't take that as blame on the VFX artists. That's blame on Marvel for what they're asking these people to do. Right. Like, you know, we've right, talked about I it a little bit already on on this podcast, like it the the deadlines, the deadlines are ridiculous for the, think about all the content they're putting out and they're asking these people to, you know, basically do movie level and quality VFX work on a restricted timeline with, uh, with probably like short staff, you know? Right. And, and, and so, it's, it might not even be entirely malicious from Marvel either. I don't even go a hundred percent that way. It might also just be the realities of the situation of like, you know, they, they were writing episodes and they were trying stuff and they're like, hey, this didn't work out the way we want to. We're actually going to go back, reshoot and That's refilm. True. And then all of a sudden the, the VFX people are like, oh, we kind of have to start from scratch now if you're going to put her in maybe like different environments than what they thought for the first episode. Um, That's a good like point. That. So there's, there's so many variables when it comes to CGI as to why things may not, you know, be up to standards. Um Yeah. So, so I think I think it's a very, very layered and complex domino effect type thing. Yeah, no, that, I I appreciate you. I appreciate you saying that. That that makes a lot of sense. Uh, yeah, I so so with that, not thrilled for the show, but I think still I knew I was going to watch it and I was optimistic that like this could be a fun lawyer show. The thing that excited me the most definitely i know i already talked about the, you know the idea of of the superhero lawyer but probably more than that is the fact that it was going to be nine episodes mm -hmm. uh 30 around 30 minutes long for each episode which is kind of what they did with wandavision i personally just feel like if the mcu is going to make these tv shows enjoyable for the long term it should be this format or something similar because mm -hmm. 
I think when you let the story breathe over nine episodes, you just get a it, it feels more like a TV show and less like a movie that was that was uh, makeshifted into a TV show. So I, yep, I'm I hoping I'm hoping that this is uh, a sign for future things to come. No, 100 um, percent with you there. 100 <clears throat> percent. Yeah. So. So let's give some general episode info. This uh, this episode titled A Normal Amount of Rage was directed by Kat Koiro, uh, who is known for a lot of things, known for the movie Marry Me and known for a lot of TV shows like Modern Family, It's Always Sunny, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, Shameless. Uh, and then it was written, the whole series, I believe, was written by Jessica Gao, um, who, who did some work on Rick and Morty and Silicon Valley. Trent, do you have any like knowledge of e- either of these people's work in the past? So I've seen, I, I actually watched Marry Me this year. Very, very key romantic oh, comedy. The, I'm going to be honest. The J-Lo o- Owen Wilson? Right? Yeah, yeah. The J-Lo okay, Owen right. Wilson uh, rom-com. Very enjoyable little rom-com and funny. <clears throat> um, I, I have seen the entirety of Brooklyn Nine-Nine. And then I've seen, I'm up to date on Rick and Morty. Um, and so, so I, I can see, and this is interesting, actually, this is the, I just realized this is the second Disney plus show to bring in a Rick and Morty alum because Michael Waldron, right. who's the creator of uh, Loki w- was also a, a showrunner for, um, or a writer for Rick and Morty. Um, so yeah, I, th- I think that's very telling because Rick and Morty and then, you know, Dan Harmon's other show community had this whole riffing on other uh narrative type things within mm. those shows and that's sort of what the mcu does where it's like ant-man's a heist movie so i think it's very telling that that they're they're using rick and morty people to do these stories um but but i think the biggest thing for me was not necessarily being familiar with these um two's work so much extensively but it's like oh they're really committed to like the tv comedy feel by hiring people who have been doing tv comedy not just like one episode but it's like They've done multiple shows over the past, like, you know, five, seven years. Um, yeah. So, so I think that bodes well for them trying to cultivate this sort of sitcom vibe for She-Hulk. I agree. Like, I, I've seen most of Modern Family. I've seen some of Brooklyn Nine-Nine. And that fits the vibe for what we're, what we're supposed to get here with She-Hulk. So uh, that's that's always great. I think when, when you know... Uh, that the that the creators are kind of in their their comfort zone so to speak of of the genre that they're that they're working in in the mcu then i i feel like that typically bodes well so um yeah let's uh let's get into the episode trent so yeah so as always let's let's gather our thoughts and opinions let's slip on the jedi robes enter the council chamber and discuss uh the major plot points and what we did and did not like about she-Hulk, Attorney of Law, Episode 1. All right. So the episode opens with Jennifer Walters, uh, played by Tatiana Maslani, giving a speech on the responsibilities of those with power as she prepares for a closing argument in a court case. She is interrupted by a male colleague who belittles her, says it would be better if he handled the closing argument. And then we get really early on our first breaking of the fourth wall by mm-hmm. by Jen herself uh Trent, how'd you like how'd you like how this how this opened because i felt like it was real like it threw us into into things in the in a really quick way yeah no um no i, I really like it i know p- the fourth wall breaking has become sort of a 
a divisive thing where some people think it's like it's too much of an easy out for some creative outlets. I like it here just because I, I appreciated the joke of where she's like, I know you guys aren't going to be able to like focus on the lawyer stuff until we get the Hulk stuff out of the way. Um, so let's <laughs> yeah. just like do that and then we'll come back to this. I thought that was a really smart joke and a, and a thing of like, we know some of you might not be into the whole lawyer thing yet. So let's get the superhero stuff up front. So you know that it is still a Marvel thing. I thought that was a, a good self-aware thing by the creative team here. I agree. Yeah. Also, I have a question for you because I don't know if you saw this, but I believe in an interview Jessica Gao gave, uh, and I don't know if I'm pronouncing her name correctly, but the I think the head writer, Jessica Gao, she was in an interview where she said that originally this episode or several scenes from this episode was meant to be episode eight. Interesting. Uh, so, so, the, so the penultimate episode of the series. Uh, and that's a... You know, for for me, like that, that is something that now Marvel has done a couple times where they do the origin story of the character as the penultimate episode. They did that in WandaVision. Right. Uh, they kind of did that in Moon Knight to some degree. So what what's your thoughts on on just hearing that and being and then deciding to put it all here at the beginning instead? Yeah, I mean, I, I think I think for this character specifically if we had been cutting back and forth to like Mexico every episode and doing it piece by piece, uh, it could have been in danger of being like repetitive. We're like, Oh, we're back on the beach again. And like she and Bruce are having these same conversations again. Whereas I think having their whole trajectory um, and sort of conflicts in Mexico all unfold in these first 20 minutes is sort of like, okay, we've, we've now set the stage and now we can fully go into the world building of mm -hmm. the lawyer stuff which i actually think i prefer um i think they could have done a, a good job with sort of the flashing back and forth that's sort of what uh the show arrow did a lot a lot of its first season where it's like stuff yeah. would be happening in the main city and then they would go back to the island um but I, but i think building up the lawyer stuff and world building going forward is the way to go for this yeah and I, I, it's interesting how like see to me like i think it it worked pretty well in a show like WandaVision because there was so much mystery around what was even happening in Westview that I feel mm -hmm. like if we had gotten a Scarlet Witch origin story before then, it would have only muddied the water more, you know? I, where I feel like here, there, truthfully, there's just not that much, or at least in the version they gave us, there's not that much to explain with her origin story. She right. she she was in an accident, and we'll explain all that stuff in the in the plot details to come. And and like now she's She Hulk, and like I could just see like if they had waited to tell us this in episode eight, it would have been like all right, cool. Why why do we wait? Why do we right. wait to get here? Yep. Um. So yeah. So so we get this introduction, and we get the flashback to. I can't remember. Do you remember the the time frame that it says how long I feel ago? Like she just has a few months, but we don't know how many. Months. She's just like okay. uh, some period of months ago. So semi recently for for Jennifer Walters, um, she is driving with her cousin Bruce Banner. Uh, we get we get Bruce Banner back in the MCU. We knew he was going to be in this in the show. What's interesting is that. It is it is Bruce in human form, mm -hmm. not as not a smart Hulk 
as uh, he was he was given that name. He did not choose the name Smart Hulk, uh, but not as, you know, the hybrid between Banner and Hulk, but as Bruce Banner himself. So they're driving and their car is attacked by a Sakaran spaceship uh, that uh, looks looks uh, similar to what we saw in Thor Ragnarok. Mm-hmm. Um, and it causes them to wreck the car. And as their car rolls down the hill uh, and injured Jennifer tries to as as she gets out of the car, she tries to help Bruce, who, you know, he's injured from the snap still. He's got his arm in a sling. He goes she goes to help out Bruce, uh, who is bleeding and is inadvertently infected with some of his gamma radiated blood. Hence, turning her into uh, causing her to hulk out, uh, so to speak, right on the spot. So what did you think of what did you think of this uh, this scene and this origin for for Jen? Yeah, I mean the the Sakar connect- connections will be very interesting to see if that's going to impact the future of this show or if they're trying to set up something with just uh, Bruce Banner and Sakar later down the line. Um, but I, yeah. but I I really do appreciate just how efficient this origin story is. Yes, where where it happens in like literally three minutes. Like it's just yeah. like car wreck. She's bleeding. He's bleeding. <laughs> his blood's infected. She got some of the blood. Like boom. Um, after. I love origin story movies, but after, you know, you know, the Sam Raimi ones and the Brian Singer X-Men and, you know, now like eight origin movies within the MCU itself. It's right, like, it's right. like we, we don't need to do like a two hour preamble. It can just happen. Like, honestly, and I think that's what is so refreshing about it is it does feel like an older uh, comic book movie in some mm-hmm. ways. Like, I feel like there wasn't that much detail put into like the the stuff that we probably grew up watching like the um i mean honestly when you think back to the sam raimi spider-man's like is there is there i obviously we get the origin story of of peter becoming spider-man and learning how to use his powers but of just simply becoming the hero the incident like it happens quick yeah uh and that's what happens here so it kind of felt like it felt kind of old school and i I'm fine with that. Like I, I'm like, you don't have to make everything feel realistic all the time. Uh, it go out of your way to this felt. This felt like just boom bap. We're we're through this scene. And she she Hulk now. Um, so I was cool with it. I was cool with it as well. Um, we do get a scene where Jen, uh, but has to be picked up, uh, by Bruce who I guess fled the scene and uh, and mm-hmm. she's been hulking out. She finds herself in a bar uh, and is, is met by like about four or five women in a, in a women's bathroom who rush in to save yes. the day and clean her up. They think they're, they're helping Jen get back out there and enjoy the night. And she's like, I just, I just, I don't know what happened to me. I just hulked out. Um, and she walks out and uh, three guys cat call her mm-hmm. uh, in the parking lot and she tries to evade them and they're persisting and she hulks out she becomes she hulk and then bruce banner as the combined smart hulk comes in and and tackles her and then the next thing we know they are they are in bruce's hideaway lab that tony stark built for him in mexico in order to teach jenner jennifer how to control her hulk rage How'd you feel about the reveal that that Bruce has this hideaway built by Tony Stark? 
I just love that it like it happened during the blip, and so Tony's like, I have no idea what to do with life right now, so I'm just gonna help my like <clears throat> science bro build a bar and also have like a little bit of a <laughs> like like have a little bit of a combination of like a like a retreat center, but also he can do like science experiments without being discovered at the same time. I'm like that that was a bro. Um and, and this is actually one of my favorite things about this episode in general too, is that like we get to see pieces of Bruce still mourning Tony's death, um, which they haven't yeah. really addressed. I mean, obviously, Far From Home as a movie is sort of entirely about Peter's, you know, dealing with uh, the loss of Tony as this, you know, mentor and father figure. But besides that, it's like nobody really brings up the fact that like all these yeah. OG Avengers are either like retired or dead. Um, and I yeah. always fa- I've always found that bizarre that we're X years out and it barely gets mentioned. So I was happy to see it mentioned here in in very small, nuanced ways. Like he doesn't have to give a whole monologue, but you can tell he's he misses his friend. Like it was cool. Exactly. Yeah, it's the it's the subtle reminders that like, oh, my gosh. Yeah, like I think I think knowing it makes you it makes you kind of miss that. uh miss seeing bruce banner more like i feel like we missed out in a way of never getting you know sequels to the hulk with mark ruffalo playing the character uh throughout the whole infinity saga because we only ever see him in avengers movies in thor ragnarok you know it's always with someone else we never get to see any of his life outside of the avengers Mm -hmm. and and i think that's actually like i had forgotten how close Bruce and Tony were because of that, because we see Tony develop relationship with Steve Rogers, with Peter Parker, with, with Thor, with, you know, whoever else, um, you forget about that, how strong the connection was, especially in the early Avengers movies between Bruce Mm -hmm. and Tony. And, um, I would love if they spent more time explaining and, 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 and diving into that in the in the episodes to come because I I felt like I, I agree with you this is what worked for me what one of the things that worked for me the best in this episode um so after after we get this reveal Jennifer shows that she is different than Bruce that she is able to retain her consciousness even when she transforms into the Hulk uh whereas Bruce and Hulk are two distinct entities and and Bruce had to put lots of years mm-hmm. into training himself how to merge the two personalities together um there's a lot that there uh th- this is something that is kind of breezed by a little bit mm-hmm. but i think a really a really cool thing that they're doing for her character that that this is how she's able to already control uh how she transforms and she's already able to re- re- retain her personality as Jen Walters as, as Hulk as well. How did you feel about that decision? Trent? Yeah, no, I, from what I understand, this is like a part of the comics. And so it makes sense to carry it over. Um, and, and, you know, I, I know some people have been upset that it's like, she's already in control of stuff, but honestly, if she wasn't the, the choice of the show is most of the show then has to be, has to be literally yes. her in Mexico learning how to control stuff. Then, then exactly. nothing else in the show can happen. Um, so, so I'm, I'm fine with it. Um, uh, we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about like what it means for her character, where she gives this great speech about also why yep. she's so able to control her emotions. Um, and I think, I think that is, is almost the bigger reason why narratively and thematically that she is, um, but no, but no, it worked for me, and it and it's a way to make it that like also to sort of 
you know, meta on a meta level address, it's like, oh, what what's the big deal? We already have a Hulk. Why do we need a new one? Yeah. It's like, well, well, she is different, literally. Like she is a different exactly. character. Exactly. Um, so so no, I'm 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 totally fine with it. Yeah, let's get let's get to that part you were talking about. So so Jennifer, she doesn't want to be a superhero. Mm-hmm. Um she she's very content with her life as a lawyer in her career. She wants to pursue that. She doesn't she didn't ask to become the Hulk to uh the, the she hulk as we're going to refer to her as in this show uh she wants to return to her life as a lawyer um and we learned this i sorry i i skipped over a plot point here but we learned this after bruce puts her through an an incredibly long training regimen yeah uh where they're throwing boulders they're jumping through the different cliffs along the beach side of mexico uh and then they uh, they in the, they take a little study break to uh, to go have a night on the town, so to speak, at the bar, throwing them back uh, because we learn that they can never get drunk. Yeah, the Hulk does not allow one to get drunk. So what a what an amazing what an amazing perk to have as a uh, as this uh, mutated being. So. Uh, this leads us to at the end, Jen- Jennifer is ready to leave and, and Bruce is, is being like, no, you have to continue your training regimen. Um, she didn't want to be a superhero. Uh, Jen excels at the regimen, which she explains is in part due to the fact that women are expected by society to keep their emotions in check, even when faced with improper or aggressive behavior. So this is kind of the speech you're talking about. It's like a, a, just a little quick kind of rant that she goes on yeah um how does this how does this inform more of what you know we need to know about about jen walters yeah i mean i i think like yeah it's it's just such a great speech because she's like dude um like i have to because you know like you know men say inappropriate stuff to me all the time or i you know they think they can do my job better than i can or you know and she i i appreciate that they took it to the like very serious but very true and real unfortunately degree of like if in certain situations if i'm not careful about controlling my emotions like i could literally be in like physical or mortal danger um and and you know it 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 informs so much it's like this is part of the reason she cares so much about like justice and this is why Mm -hmm. she wants she wants to do it not through a superhero way which you could argue um depending on how it's depicted is like kind of a toxic masculine thing of just like you know mm-hmm. punching your way through problems and she's like i would rather you know intellectualize something and and use proper justice um systems and processes to to solve issues so i think i think this is very in tune with her character um i i can say as a man whether this is you know this speech is true to all female experiences um mm-hmm. you know how authentic it is or not but it, it rang true for the character in that moment um so, so it, it works for me for the for the character and narrative purposes of the show yeah man hey that was beautiful trent thank you thank you for for just being so eloquent as always i i i also love that you pointed out like just what this means for her character in particular that mm-hmm. she is justice minded because of her lived experience as a woman. And, and I think that is, that's something I didn't even connect the dots on upon first watch. So I, I appreciate that. I, I think this is also just like 
an important i saw something after after watching about this clip that was it was comparing the show to jessica jones which is a show i never watched i'll be honest mm-hmm. um and it was like i the person was saying they appreciated jessica jones because it was able to take this dialogue that that we got in she hulk and and tell and tell the story of jessica jones experiencing kind of that that same thing jen is talking about mm-hmm. but without her outright saying it right and and i some someone in response was like well it's like a, a woman who commented on it was like it's it's important because like it, it validates what what a lot of women feel by actually hearing hearing it said out loud right and i think and i think also when you just think about this show and the people who are watching it and this is a comic book show and this is comic book movies and shows while while the audience is certainly diverse uh always has been and um certainly is now maybe even more so now um there's still like I've, i i think we can still say that like for a long time comic book movies and shows have been you know marketed for men they've been they've attracted large crowds of of men who come out and watch these shows and movies and i feel like to have a line of dialogue like this in there this might this might be the this might be the first time that someone has you know gone out of their way to watch you know they or not gone out of their way but gone to watch something in this genre and heard something like that mm-hmm. uh it might be it might be the first time they're like confronted with thinking about those things and to, to me that's why like a line like this is so important because it uh it reaches an audience who may may have not even thought about that before. So no, I, I, saw, I think I, that's yeah. I saw <clears throat> no sort of going off that. I saw a tweet that said something to the effect of uh, "I'm definitely not going to get it word for word right," but basically this is, this speech is important because it it affirms experiences for women, but also for like young men watching. It can be like a teaching tool of like you know this this is why you need to be careful about how you interact with women because of what women unfortunately have experienced in certain situations for, yeah. you know, decades and generations. Um, and so the, the idea that maybe the show can be used as part of a discussion about, you know, how men treat women and stuff like that is, is really cool and really fascinating. Right. In, in a, in a 30 minute sitcom about a lawyer that that's also a, a superhero, they could, they could potentially have that conversation, which is just really cool. Like I, I really find that, this is an awesome thing. Um, so yeah, the, the we move past this conversation, and Bruce and Jen fight about whether she can leave Mexico. Eventually, Bruce agrees to respect her wishes and and uh, allows her to go back to her career and life. And this brings us back to the courtroom mm-hmm. where Jen takes the stand, is about uh, to give her defense, right? Yeah, she's her a closing attorney, argument, right? I think. It's her closing argument for the but prosecution. She, or she's the prosecutor. That's, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right, yeah. Okay, sorry. So she is, uh, she's giving her closing argument as the prosecutor. Um, and in the middle of her, or at the opening of her argument, a mysterious woman played by Jamila Jamil. You may know her from The Good Place, which is definitely where I know her. Yep, me too. Uh, she, she attacks the courtroom breaking a giant wall into the room like like nothing i've ever seen it's like literally takes down the entire wall and there is standing just one person 
and it's uh i believe her character's name in the show is titania yes uh, that sounds right <clears throat> believe a villain from the comics i'm not very familiar but but she and jennifer briefly fight which ends with jennifer emerging victorious and revealing she hulk publicly to the world now i just gotta say like this might have been my favorite moment in the whole show because it just completely like not the the rest of the rest of the episode had been like kind of goofy at times, but this just threw all common sense out the window and was just like she's like throwing she's like throwing a couple jabs, few jokes in as 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 Titania goes in for the like karate kick. Yeah, and she's just met with one single punch. It was just outlandish and i loved it yep me too it was fun <clears throat> and so that that wraps up the episode um we uh but before we move on what what are your just general thoughts on was this a was this a good episode was this a bad episode where 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 how are you feeling about the show moving forward after this um i'm 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 gonna say this <clears throat> is a good episode and i'm curious about where it goes because well, well, I said earlier, I, I agree with the decision to put all the Mexico stuff on the front end, and I do. It is very exposition heavy. Um, yeah. And, and and I think looking back, we may be like, oh, yeah, like She-Hulk was a great show that did like all this cool lawyer stuff, but you do have to get past like the Mexico stuff in the opening. I feel like that might be something we'll say in like 10 weeks. Um, I, think reminded so. me, I think it so reminded too. me a lot of uh, Hawkeye's opening episode, actually, where I wasn't the biggest fan of that mm-hmm. one either, because it's just a lot of mm-hmm. like establishing who kate bishop is but not moving the plot forward that much um mm-hmm. but aside from that i really enjoyed the performances here um no uh especially between um jennifer and bruce like the t- their chemistry this whole episode was was great um like i said her speech i thought was really well done and really well written and performed um yeah. and I'm, I'm really excited to see sort of um again this this ground level you know mcu thing and like actually being like what does the presence of superpowered individuals do to a a modern society in this universe um so, yeah so, so so yeah i'm curious uh i'll be honest for for a sitcom show the humor didn't work for me 100 percent in this one i didn't laugh a ton okay. but but humor uh-huh. is very subjective so that's not really a knock on the show that's just my experience um although the air horn gag of bruce slowly creeping in frame <laughs> was pretty stellar that was good that was good i agree i actually you know what we uh me and Haley watched this this weekend and now i'm about i i i never ask her if i can you know tell her share her opinions about something with the world but you know here we are um she was like not she wasn't really feeling the comedy either so you are you are not alone and and i i gotta admit for myself i laughed uh but it wasn't um you know i've been this show has kind of been marketed as a comedy and i didn't i I didn't feel that that comedic to me Mm. as for what i was uh for what i was expecting in the first episode i i feel like i'm i'm mixed on this episode honestly i loved like you said the performances tatiana maslani is already like perfect cast for this yes she's she's great she she's the highlight for the first episode for me by far is her performance absolutely absolutely i uh and and to see bruce banner back is awesome i love i hope we spend more and more time with him uh because i just think he's someone that has got lost in the shuffle a little bit in the mcu so let's let's get some more time with him i i it just felt clunky to me the mexico stuff felt really clunky to me yep 
And it makes sense now to know that they had originally written this for episode eight. Uh, the, the training sequence is like, honest to God, I was bored. I was like, I was bored watching them. Yeah, it's um, it's it, it's but it's needed to show her power. It's needed to show her power set. But I'm also like, can we can we can we just have her uncovering her powers in like right. narrative driven situations where she needs to throw like, you know, a boulder at like a villain and not just like. Yeah throwing it to throw right. it um <laughs> exactly uh, yeah, yeah. I, I much prefer that kind of action exposition i guess is what you would call that um yeah that, you, but you're right that's like and and we see that in a lot of we saw that in miss marvel we saw her learn to use her powers in 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 uh situations that move the plot forward yeah and so um but i i only say these things just to like be honest but i still enjoyed this character a lot i really love i i can't wait to get into the courtroom in her life as a lawyer because to me like that that ending sequence was so good uh that i'm just like oh this is great that's that's when i actually was like laughing i was like this outlandish stuff is is uh is pretty fun i'm ready to spend more time with that so i'm i'm excited for what's to come i think there's a lot i think i think they established her character well a few things i didn't like but we'll move forward uh i i have to say before we move on that uh we we may we may skip our theorizing for now since there's not a ton because i feel like i'd rather cover this but there's gonna be a there's gonna be a stinger there's gonna be a post-credit scene at the end of every episode and Uh uh let's just say the first one wasn't holding back at all steve rogers confirmed uh-huh. not a virgin yeah i don't know i don't know if you ever laid awake at night pondering this trend uh apparently some people did uh, i mean i mean i i definitely i <laughs> it sounds weird to say <laughs> i thought about it but like it crossed my mind like <laughs> but like because winter soldier brings this up directly where natasha asks him like was that your first kiss since 1945 when they have to like kiss yeah. at the mall or whatever and he's like no it wasn't my first kiss since 1945 um, and then I, I really thought about it in a more disturbed way with Civil War. Once we found out that Shannon yeah. was uh, <laughs> was Peggy's niece, I was like, oh, how how far did this relationship go? And then after Endgame, everybody, there were all the memes that were like, in retrospect, this is very creepy. <laughs> yeah, um, extremely creepy. Where it's and like, I'm, you, not, he's I'm still literally, not over it. He's literally her uncle. <laughs> yes oh my gosh yeah no and it's so, not so, okay so that it's that really was more the context okay. of of what i was thinking about not about uh the uso shows back in the day as a uh, bruce right. t- taught us about um but yeah I, I guess that is one thing we should bring up is that um since this is a family-friendly podcast that like right. the, the the humor in this show is, is maybe gonna lean a little more on the adult side of things so that that's so that that's not a a praise or a criticism but i think that is a right. fair thing to put out into the internet that like maybe like your younger siblings or whatever like maybe That's not true. the show for them um but but maybe not i don't know not my place um, i know I, I i still don't think marvel is in a in a creative space working with disney where they're going to put out uh not yet it may come but i think uh they're not at a point yet where it's going to be like tv mature uh where it's it's gonna be like heavily suggestive themes or things like that but i mean like i don't know i'm i'm okay with the i i I think it's i think it's fun to see them experiment a little bit with uh with with pushing the boundary and 
Um, and I, I, we meet, like I said, like Trent and I said, we're this family friendly podcast. So we're, your boys will keep it clean on here. Uh, but we are commenting on this and I just thought that scene was hilarious. No, it was, it was uh, outstanding. Like one of the best post credits and best uses of editing as a censoring uh, technique. Right. <laughs> exactly. Ever. Exactly. Um, no, it was really yep. well done. Yeah. Okay. So that's going to wrap up our She-Hulk talk. Trent, we have some other things to discuss. We do. Uh, so let's uh let's go hop on over to the Daily Bugle and and see what news is stirring out there in the in the fandom world. Um we we have we're we I've allotted plenty of time for us to talk about this because I feel like this is pretty pretty big. Mm-hmm. Uh if you've been paying attention to just movie industry related news lately, then you know uh some some pretty some pretty crazy things are happening over at HBO. Uh, the the HBO Discovery merger that was announced years ago that was happening is officially starting to the the decisions are being made for what's going to get cut, what's going to stay, mm-hmm. what stream what's what a streaming service is going to look like, and we know that Batgirl mm. originally planned to release straight to HBO Max. A movie that had already wrapped filming. Yeah. We're not, I'm not talking like there's a script finish or a couple scenes filmed. I'm talking an entire film has been recorded on a camera. Yep. And they have the footage to now do post-production. Mm-hmm. That entire film, which cost $90 million to make, was canceled. Yep. I just I want to just start start there. There's a lot of other stuff to get to with DC, but just let's just start with the mere fact that this movie is not going to be released now. Like they literally like it because they to to do a little bit more explanation real quick before you talk, Trent. Yeah. Uh, this movie was canceled to save this Discovery Warner company now to save them money because they could write it they could somehow make it a tax write off mm-hmm. and once you do that and you you take the loss of 90 million dollars or whatever and you now use this as a tax write off legally you cannot release the film on anything on no you cannot because a streaming service you generate profit from it right. you couldn't even put it on streamers because that is still that is still something where you could collect profit from having batgirl on the service so we are not going to see this movie unless, like, I don't know, the directors leak it on YouTube or something say, like some, that. There's we, been so many memes about, like, somebody's going to get a flash drive and be just, like, <laughs> just upload it exactly, to YouTube for yeah. free. and It's going to go on the Riddler's Twitch stream. Yeah, like, exactly. We're, I, like, there's, we're, but, like, the odds of us seeing this movie are, like, 1%. Like, yes. it's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. So what's your reaction to this, Trent? Yeah, I mean... Batgirl, uh, it it wasn't my most anticipated movie, but I've always been fascinated by the character, um, because I think her relationships with, like, the other Robins and with Batman himself has always been super fascinating. Um, I thought Leslie Grace was a very cool choice for Batgirl, uh, for those of you who saw In the Heights, she was a great performer in In the Heights last year, um, and also, I mean, I can't believe they canceled a movie that was gonna be, that was gonna be the reintroduction of Michael Keaton's Batman. Yes. Into, into the DCEU. 
um, and was going to be part of the Brendan Fraser renaissance, the renaissance, if you will. <laughs> That's um, right. Of him, ah, of gosh, him being I Firefly. That. I was so excited to see that man getting some more work again. Um, yeah, the, the the things we were hearing were because, you know, there was the old regime at HBO where they made the decision last year to, you know, release stuff in theaters and on HBO Max the same day in the hopes of driving up HBO Max subscriber numbers. What I think they learned is people didn't keep their HBO Max subscription for any length of time. They just signed up for a free trial when they wanted to watch either like the Suicide Squad and then nothing else or the Matrix Resurrections and nothing else. Um, And then this new regime's like, we are only doing stuff that's going to be playing in theaters. We're not doing like solely HBO Max originals. And apparently... The 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 leaks are we can't we can't verify this. It was people were like it was too like TV feeling to be put in theaters, and they couldn't put more money to make it feature film worthy. Yeah. Um. And they didn't want. And like I said, they were committed to not doing HBO Max originals anymore. And then so they're like, well, the best way to save money is to just write it off. Yeah. Which yeah. <sighs> It's just it's frustrating. I can't imagine like just with my very, very, very little experience working on short films even and spending, mm-hmm. you know, weeks of a college semester on that, like the months and months of working on a film for at least, you know, 12 hours a day, usually, usually more. It's like 16 for like three or six months and then not being able to share your work. Um, it, It's it's bizarre. Um, It's horrible. Yeah. And it's it's. It, it just adds to the craziness of like what is happening with DC in general, which we'll talk a little bit later with some of their <laughs> yeah. other stuff where it's like, it's just like what, it, what is happening with them as an umbrella? Yeah. I, the also, I just, I personally, I don't buy the reasoning that the movie just wasn't good enough to release. It wasn't, it wasn't movie enough. It was two TV. Like I believe that they're saying this. I don't believe that for like, they, I, there's the me, me, you, and Joseph were talking about this. Like, I'm there's nothing that could be worse than some of the stuff DC has already put out. That could really like, I, right. I just, I, it would shock me if they, you know, the same, the same company that put out Suicide Squad, the first one, mm-hmm. and Wonder Woman eighty four, just two years ago, would be like. Nah, this one, this one's too bad. I, I, I well, no, and even, and even to not take it to that extreme, but like, look at what's happened with Marvel over the years, where it's like yeah. everybody was so hype on Avengers twenty twelve, and then in twenty thirteen, both Iron Man three and Thor: The Dark World get like kind of lukewarm, not even bad, yeah. but lukewarm receptions, yep. and everybody's like, the MCU's dead. Like in twenty thirteen, yeah. they're like, it's over. Yeah. Like it was that was yeah. the high point. Twenty twelve, they did the team up, and it's dead. Um, yeah. And then 2014, they bounce back with Winter Soldier and Guardians 1 and everything's fine. Um, and, the, and then well, and even more recently, people have been like, they, there were so many memes after Comic-Con where it was like everybody watching, you know, Thor Love and Thunder, which I still love. Um, mm-hmm. And Doctor Strange and Multiverse of Madness, like, oh, MCU's dead again. And then like everybody sees that Wakanda Forever trailer and everybody's back. Oh, like, everybody's back in. Like, yep. I, I don't believe this thing of like something is too damaging to our brand that like, it's going to turn our fans off forever. Like every franchise has had a movie that people haven't responded to. Um, like even, even Harry Potter, which some people would say has like a perfect batting average. Like some people don't like order of the Phoenix and chamber of secrets, but everyone on the planet still saw deathly Hallows part two. Like when that came around, 
That's um, true. That's it, true. It, yeah. I just, I just, every movie finds its own audience eventually, even if it's not like the f- best movie ever, it, it finds somebody. Um, and so, so yeah, I think look at Morbius <laughs> release it twice in theaters. They say, um, <laughs> right, exactly. So, so exactly. yeah, it's, it, yeah, it's, it's, just, yeah, it's, it's your it's point. Just bizarre. It's just bizarre. Sorry. I'm like really rambling about this. Cause it's I get, so... no man. I get it off your chest to your point. It's just sad. Like I can't like, especially for so i never saw in the heights um mm-hmm. but for an actress like leslie grace she's not a big name mm-hmm. as as far as i'm concerned as, at least as far as i know um she had she had a a pretty successful movie and in the heights and now she she gets to be the lead in a big superhero movie regardless of where whether it's dropping in theaters or streaming like people will watch batgirl because it's a superhero movie like that's a popular genre right now and so the fact that now this opportunity is taken from her is in the fact that like they put in so much time to film an entire movie and that's stripped away with no reward it's just like really disheartening and and i think like they've got i don't i don't know i i don't know if you know there's like there were other options on the table for them to to wipe off the slate but like this is also the i mean this is also the the movie that is you know being directed by people of color that stars a a a female actress woman of color and it's just like when when you decide that those things are expendable it kind of sends a message yeah and that's uh i know that that's i'm not saying that that was the intent of of warner and uh but, but of the of they, the new they, owner but you have to be aware of the optics and the yeah of that of making that decision yeah. exactly exactly um so that's not the only thing going on over at dc uh the flash movie coming is currently currently slated for june 23rd i believe of of 2023 i think that's correct uh but there's there's some things going on, and and, and I'm, we're laughing just because it's DC, right? I'm I want to be I'm, clear, like I'm not the- laughing. <laughs> None of us are laughing at like the actual uh, seriousness of the alleged stuff going on here, right? Uh, yeah, I right. W- thank you. I want to make that clear before yeah. that, this lives on the internet <laughs> like, forever. I'm like, I'm like about to bring it up, and I'm like, nah, I'm, I promise, like this is not why. Like, like we're laughing because this is DC who continually gets like continually gets it wrong. I mean, like. They, they've been given every opportunity to get to get what many people say is the best cast of superheroes in comic book history. Mm-hmm. They've had so many opportunities to get it right and they can't. Anyways, uh, The Flash is supposed to come out next year. Ezra Miller, who is starring as The Flash, you may have watched them in uh, Zach, Zack Snyder's uh, version of Justice League that came out last year. Um I really enjoyed Ezra Miller in that movie. I Me thought too. I thought they did a really good job, and um, I I felt like their performance was one of the things that that shone brightest in in that movie. And so I, I've been looking forward to getting the chance to to see this character again. Uh, but unfortunately, Ezra Miller is you know in trouble with the law. There are accusations of kidnaps, kidnapping. Um, and, uh, this all led to him being 
arrested, I believe. Is that is that correct? Trent? I like know. he was I don't think he's ever been arrested yet. I think it's just a charge on felony burglary and then there's been I think a couple restraining orders by parents of children who claim Ezra Miller has an inappropriate relationship with their child maybe. Uh Okay. Some something like that. I I don't know it concretely, so I I want to be on the record and say that I may yeah. not have the details 100% correct. But basically okay. there's no arrest, just charges and then a lot of questions that authorities want to talk to Ezra about. Um And I think that and, and I think that is uh, what makes this all the more difficult to understand is, I mean, in all seriousness, like I, I think it's very clear to see that Ezra is, I've just seen a lot of people react very strongly to what they've been doing uh, because it is criminal activity. And absolutely, we should call that out. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I also think, as Ezra's probably going through something very serious in mm-hmm. terms of mental illness. And, yep. and I think that that should be, that should just be considered when we're, when we're talking about all this. Right. And, and I think that uh, because of that, it makes the future of the flash movie even more in doubt. Cause it's like, there's not, there's, there's nothing that has really mm-hmm. been confirmed yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, instead, you know, DC is going into the next year wondering how are we going to promote this movie uh, when the main actor has been in so much uh, has been in the news so much for some really heinous things. Yeah. Um, and and that's so so that is and, and that is truthfully. I mean, I know Black Adam and Shazam are coming out this year, but The Flash has reportedly been the movie to kind of reset the DCEU and kind of lay the ground for what's to come in the future. Right. And this is supposedly what's making Warner brothers have so many questions about what to do because a, it's supposed to, like you said, be sort of this reboot of the DCEU continuity and B, if they were to replace Miller, apparently Ezra Miller plays like multiple variations of that's Barry right. Allen character. And so they're we've like, seen it in, in, in like little clips they've released. Right. And so they're like, we can't, we would have to literally remake the entire film start to finish. If we put a different person in there, I do believe Warner brothers. I don't know if this has come from them, but I've heard from multiple news outlets. The thing that is confirmed is that the, even if the flash movie gets released in its current state, Ezra Miller will not play the character going forward. Like the the flash wow. movie will be the last time. Oh my gosh, that is, I didn't know that. And that that is, uh, I mean, so so we're just gonna transition to what does this mean for the DCEU? Yeah, because right, like you're the movie that is it some other thing, some other things to consider in addition to the movie that you're planning to kind of set the importance for the rest of the cinematic universe being in jeopardy. You might not let the actor play that role ever again. They don't know who Batman's going to be. Nope. They don't know who Superman's going to be. Probably the two most, uh, two of the three most important characters to the overall DCEU, Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman. They don't know who two of those characters are going to be played by. Um, And now, since the Discovery Warner merger, there's talk about DC reportedly planning on doing a multi-year saga very similar to the MCU, which is not the direction that 
it seemed like they were going to go before this merger was completed. It seemed like they were kind of going to explore just making movies about these characters and letting it all just kind of exist. Right. And that was, and I, to be honest, I was starting to get on board with that approach. Yeah. I, uh, me too. I, Cause I, I was starting to like, I love the MCU. Um, I think anybody who's listened to this pod knows this, but I, but I was starting right. to see the limitations of, of this whole shared universe thing. And I was like, I kind of love the DC can have like, you know, a, mo- a movie like Shazam that like pays tribute to big mm-hmm. where it's like, let's have a kid and a grown man's body. And then let's do Aquaman yeah. where an octopus plays the drums. And then like, we'll <laughs> let Dwayne Johnson do his thing with black Adam. And then we'll let Todd Phillips in a totally separate part of DC do this very like gritty noir Joker origin story. Like, I love that they were just like letting people create stuff. Right. Um, and, and so to hear that they're trying to do the shared universe thing again, I understand why, because shared universes yeah. are sort of like the thing that everyone's trying to do. Netflix is trying to do it with, um, I think the, the gray man movie that just came out with Ryan Gosling and Chris Evans. They're like, we want this to be our shared universe on Netflix for, for blockbusters. That's so I understand that I that's what the, that. like the bread and butter is, but, um, yes. I, 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 I would much... Shared universes aren't good or bad, but I would much rather watch good movies or bad movies. I don't love the MCU entirely because it's interconnected. I just love it because they've made like incredible movies, really. Yeah. Um, and yeah. really, the only times the shared universe stuff has really meant a lot to me was the first Avengers movies and Endgame. Like that's mm-hmm. the only time the interconnectedness has meant a lot to me. And besides I, that, I've just I, enjoyed the movies as they are. Right. I do think it. I, I I see it from a organizational perspective, right? I a shared universe is it's it's kind of the way to dominate. You know, it, it is it is that if you can do it right, it is your ticket to having like continued fan and viewer engagement. If you can if you can tell like the MCU was able to be like, hey, we're we're gonna. We're going to bring Spider-Man into the MCU. And guess what? Iron Man's going to be there. Mm-hmm. And then when you watch the next Thor movie, guess what? Hulk's going to be there. And it's like after it it takes years to get to that point. That's the thing is it takes years to get to a place where people love so many of the characters that like people outside of the the core fandom will come watch because said character is in said movie. You know what I mean? And I and I think I completely understand why Warner will want to go this way in the future for for DC, but I agree I agree with you from just an, a consumer perspective like it was the idea that we could get a Batman trilogy where they flesh out the Gotham Gotham City almost has its own universe. Yeah. Uh, and it never have to connect to Superman or Wonder Woman or we, we Green were Lantern. We potentially or... have, if if the, the Flash stuff moves as planned, we were going to have three Batman running around yeah. in the DC universe. Because Michael <laughs> yeah. Keaton was going to be in a Ben Affleck and then off on his own sphere, Robert Pattinson was going to be doing right. his thing. And I'm like, that's incredible exactly. that we can have three Batman running around. Which to me, that's like fantastic. Like, I, because I care so much about the MCU and the overall story of that universe, like I can't like I'm not going to care as much about what DC is starting to build right now mm. until it looks like 
it looks like they're building a really good story. Yep. And so to me, that's that's what made that's what made that idea so exciting is is I could be like, you know what? I'm probably like I still haven't watched Peacemaker. Um, I don't know when I'm going to or if I'm going to. But mm-hmm. like that's okay because I don't feel like I need to watch it to know what's happening in Matt Reeves's Batman, you know? And right. like I that's a that's a wonderful thing because then I can go watch the Batman and it's like maybe my favorite movie of the year. Yeah. Because it's so isolated from everything else. Yeah. And I it's just I I I'm glad you feel the same way. I'm frust I'm a little frustrated that they want to do like I understand the appeal of it, like there's comics fans who have loved these characters for ages who have just been dying for the moment that we get a justice league movie and, and, and universe that feels legit and like comparable to what the Avengers are. Mm-hmm. But I, well, I do. And I'll be honest. I, I was, I was one of them early on because when I, when I was young for me, like the DC cartoons were a much bigger deal yes. to me than the Marvel and like the justice league show was Absolutely. Trent Neely's jam like back in the early two thousands? <laughs> oh man! So like when I first Wait, heard, should... when I first heard that Zack Snyder was like gonna do it, I was like, he's gonna do Justice League! Like, oh my gosh, this is amazing! Like, yeah. and so so yeah, like I w- I was pumped for it, but I like yeah, like we like we're saying, I I kind of embraced that like DC was just like letting the filmmakers like, hey, you don't have to worry about like doing a whole trilogy with us. Just like, just make a movie. And like, if you want to do more, you can come back and make something that's totally different even a second time, even if it's the same IP. Like, I I think that's so cool. Um, And and I'm I'm, going to be sad if that really has going to fully go away in the next couple of years. I agree with you. I I, I completely agree. And also, side note, I feel like we should get a... um, maybe do a, a little segment or its own episode dedicated to you talking about the justice league cartoon. Cause I would personally love that. That would be, mm, oh, I mean, that would be so much fun. I mean, it would, it would be 99% if I'm talking DC animated, it would be about the, the Batman animated series and the mask of the oh, phantasm yeah, yeah, and then real. a little bit yeah. of the justice league. But yeah, <laughs> but yeah animated DC uh, was mm, what a time. I do. I do remember watching those as well and probably not as dedicated as you, but I do remember really loving those shows growing up, but yeah, I, I mean, I, I just think it's a, uh, it's going to be, it's going to be real interesting. You know, you've got simultaneously with all the stuff going on, the, the Ezra Miller stuff, the Batgirl stuff, you've got Dwayne, the rock Johnson saying that black Adam is going to change the hierarchy <laughs> of the DC universe. <laughs> exactly. Thank you. I, 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 I like blanked for a second. Uh, Oh, I, yeah, fo- I, I follow know, him I on social media. I forget that line. I, yeah. say, I follow him on social media, so I see that line once a day. Um, <laughs> and, and, and no, I, I'm a huge Dwayne Johnson fan. I mean, no disrespect, but it's, but it's clear to me that they, I, I, I have a suspicion that they might actually be pivoting from the Flash being a soft reboot to Black Adam. I'm glad you brought this up. Being like, oh, I, I could see an argument because there's an argument to to be made that except for Tom Cruise, Dwayne Johnson is the biggest movie star in the world right now. Oh, 100%. So, so yeah. I could totally see a, a totally justifiable argument for being like, why why shouldn't we let Dwayne Johnson be like the, the center anchoring piece of this for the next like 10 years? I mean, it may, it makes a lot of sense. I, I don't, I think that would probably, yeah, I think common fans would have a lot to say about that. But yeah. I, it's still, I mean, it's it's The Rock. So yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, um, I guess my last question is what what do you think like what do you think DC should do realistically cuz it's really not as simple as just saying 
scrap everything and reboot or commit to the characters you already have because like i don't i don't know if either of those options is good right because it's, it's the weird thing that they can't scrap everything because aquaman got decent reception and made a ton of money like aquaman yeah. is a solid property for them um even though wonder woman 1984 didn't do as good people really liked the first wonder woman and they like gal gadot as the character by all appearance um yeah or by all indication i mean um and so so it's weird because it's like you, if you erase the continuity, you erase two things about your universe that are actually working. Um, yeah. Um, so and you've also got like, I mean, let's I, I, I think, you know, we joke we joke DC a lot uh, as fans because of stuff like this that happens. But also like that's not even mentioning Shazam, which got like a pretty it may not be as big as those other properties, but. People like Shazam. And yeah, I, I, I think that is my favorite of the DCEU continuity. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah, I think I think that's my favorite one. Um, yeah, no. Absolutely. Um, honestly, that's... honestly, I think the really simple fix is honest, if if you announce tomorrow a Superman movie with a character, like an actor firmly attached, and then you decide who the, the main continuity of Batman is, honestly, I think that goes a lion's share of the way of getting people reinvested. I think it's just so weird for people. Yeah. That it's like the two most famous DC characters are technically faceless. Um, right. It'd be, it'd be like right. if Marvel came out and be like, we lost Tom Holland and we have zero <laughs> plans of recasting Spider-Man for the next like 10 years. Right. People would be, be like, crazy. what? Like, no. yeah, I, ex- exactly. I, I, I agree with you. Another, so as we're doing this thought experiment, another question came to mind. What do you do with what do you do with Robert Pads to Batman then? Do you shuffle him into the fold or do you just keep that its own thing? I I it makes me sad because well no it do, it doesn't make me sad actually because there was a news report and I think this is the way they're gonna have to go. It's like they're just like we're gonna let Reeves finish his trilogy. It's so mm-hmm. separate, and then we're we're gonna just like forget about <laughs> that continuity like basically. And they're like whatever yeah. we decide to do with the DCEU whenever we get an actor attached. Um, and I think I like that approach. I feel like seeing seeing Jason Momoa and Robert Pattinson share the screen, like I try to visualize it and I just can't because it works for the <laughs> it works totally yeah. for me for the Batman. Like I love that movie, but I can yeah. also freely admit that he is so broody and angsty that I think it would be like almost comical if they tried to put him like with Aquaman or Aquaman would be making fun of him too much. Honestly, like yeah. he'd be like, dude, why are you wearing eyeliner? Like, what, like, what's right, this whole like right. hoodie get up? Like, um, so, I, so I really, I, I, I don't agree. think you could fold him in. And I don't, I don't think Robert Pattinson would want to do it because he's like on this indie kick mostly. Um, I think he likes the idea of like, let me do a trilogy with Matt, who I trust, and then back to sort of obscurity. I think if you told him, like, you have to do 10 years of this, he might go running for the hills. Um, agree. And, and to me, that's, I, if, I just can't they I love the what they did with the Batman way too much to see that go away because like it's it's way they went so hard in one direction with it, which I'm glad they did. Me too. That you can't just bring that Gotham City into the rest of the DCU. It's like (laughs) it would be it would be insane. Like there would be no real like continuity of tone anytime Bruce Wayne links up with any other member of the Justice League because there's no other character that really is going to come close to that that tone. So I I I agree with you. I think it's they just like do that trilogy. I just I will say though, like I'm not sure 
DC does not have the same uh the same kind of following that Marvel has garnered from mm-hmm. the past, you know, 10 years or or so. Um so I don't think there's enough people out there watching the majority of the DC stuff to like understand that there could be two Batmans at the same time. Right. I I I don't think that's going to work. Although so. it was interesting cuz I th- it it just came out a couple weeks ago that um <laughs> because a Warner Brothers tour happened to be passing a soundstage at the right moment, they saw Ben Affleck leaving the Aquaman 2 set. And so then like Jason Momoa had to reveal that like yeah, Ben Affleck's like in Aquaman 2. Um Oh wow. And so so people were like oh is is Ben Affleck maybe like coming back to this universe at least maybe not if not i'm all for it if not full on batman mode is he just gonna like cameo like and sort of you know drop wisdom bombs on people um (laughs) i don't know it'll it's it'll be so fascinating i think we're we're, if we're still podcasting in like seven years we're gonna have to be like (laughs) remember what we thought this was gonna happen and then they did xyz like it'll be so funny to examine all this in years time all right let's make that a goal yeah <laughs> if nothing else like we, like we haven't podcasted for like two years and it's like dc was so insane over the last couple of years we had to come back just for this it like, brought us back yeah <laughs> oh that's amazing all right man well i think i think that's gonna do it i think uh, so f- for our dc talk uh i feel like we were finally able to get that out it was uh it was building for quite a while so yeah. um dude thank you so much uh this is this is a good one. Uh, got She-Hulk down. We got some DC Universe talk down. We're uh, we'll be back to talk more She-Hulk. It's probably the next time you will hear from this feed. So if you're enjoying She-Hulk so far, continue to watch because we'll be talking about it. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, little little sneak peek. We will be focusing on She-Hulk. Andor and the Rings of Power over the next several months. Yeah. Uh, you can you can count on us releasing episodes on those three shows over the next few months. So if you're listening at home and and one of those things or two of those things or all of them sound interesting to you, go ahead and subscribe because you could be hearing a lot more from us about this stuff. But Trent, thank you as always, man. Thank you, Josh. Always a pleasure. Yeah, man. It was a good time. All right. Uh, again, thank you for listening. You can subscribe. Uh, wherever you get your podcast, leave a rate and review and follow us at the Stinger Pod.